morning, everyone. It is really, really good uh, to be with you again. It's uh, amazing to be gathering via Zoom. And uh, this is our third time we've done this. And we're only just about starting to get the hang of it. But it's lovely to see your faces and uh, to be able to continue God's word together. Um, so uh, if you have a Bible, please uh, go and get one. Uh, I'm going to read from it, uh, from Luke, continuing our series on Luke, the big story about Jesus. And uh, we've been doing this uh, for quite a long time already, and we're coming towards the pinnacle of the story in Luke. This is where basically the whole Bible has been leading up to. And uh, we're coming to the end uh, where Jesus is going to give his life on the cross uh, it's the Easter story, and uh, uh, so it happens as we planned it that uh, this story uh, we're going to be opening up together at Easter. Now, it's a very different Easter this year. Um, normally, uh, we see uh, lots of things in the shops around Easter, uh, chocolate eggs everywhere. Uh, the kids are getting excited, and uh, yet we have a very, very different time at the moment. Um, so there's still chocolate eggs on the shelves in uh, uh, Tesco's and uh, other places, thank God. God, which is great. Um, but really, the story of Easter is much less palatable than chocolate eggs, fluffy bunnies and chicks, um, something that we like to associate with new life, which is absolutely great. Um, but the story of the cross is offensive when we read it. Uh, it is hard to understand. It's not easy to get our heads around. And um, the question we should be asking ourselves really is when we read that story, why Why did Jesus have to die? I think trying to understand why this is such important to the Christian faith really uh, is what uh, this story uh, revolves around. So uh, why don't we open up our Bibles and read together? Uh, we're in Luke at 23 verse 26. That's where we're going to start and we're going to read to uh, verse 56. Quite a long reading this time, but uh, very important as the story unfolds. I'm, I'm just going to let it speak for itself. So it says, as the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourself and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, blessed are the childless women the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There it was written. Notice above him, which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him and said, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, said, don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said that, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now, there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and an upright man who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was awaiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had been laid yet. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home, prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandments. The story of Jesus' suffering. Now we can see that the story so far has led up to Jesus' betrayal. Judas, one of his disciples, has betrayed Jesus uh, for some money to the religious leaders. Jesus is taken captive. All the disciples flee uh, overnight. And uh, Jesus is then taken to the courts uh, of the high priest. Um, he is unjustly sentenced. He's taken to Pilate. Uh, and uh, in the process, he's being tortured. He's being kicked. He's being beaten. He's being humiliated. Uh, there's like a political game that takes place where the Jews want Jesus to be crucified because he's uh, gaining power over them. Pilate doesn't want any upset in the, in, the, in the empire, so therefore he's trying to appease people, not necessarily by doing justice, but by keeping things the way they are. Uh, and the Jews um, uh, take advantage of that and uh, basically force Pilate to crucify Jesus. Now, Jesus um, uh, suffers much in that process. He's being whipped He's being beaten. He's being mocked. He gets uh, a crown of thorns pushed on his head. Um, he gets a purple robe over his marred body. Um, and uh, the soldiers hail him as king, uh, mocking him. Uh, uh, they, they blindfold him. They punch him um, and say, prophesy if you're the Messiah. You can see that everything that Jesus stood for at that moment was challenged. Um, we can see that he's then led off to uh, be uh, taken away to a place outside of the city. So he's led through uh, the uh, streets of Jerusalem, which were heaving at that time, particularly um, because it's nearly Passover. Uh, and uh, a lot of people will come to watch. And there he's been led away to a hill outside the city. Now he's made to carry the cross beam uh, of his cross. Uh, and he's so weakened that he can't even make the half mile journey on his own. Uh, he's been whipped, he's been beaten, he, he's, he's severely suffered. And uh, they pluck somebody from the field, Simon of Cyrene. Now, the fact that his name is mentioned in the story, Mark tells us that he's the father of Alexander and Rufus, means that he was a prominent member uh, of the early church. And uh, his, this situation, uh, this experience changed his life for good. 
we can then see that Jesus is being led to an old quarry just outside the city centre uh, and uh, just outside the city walls. And uh, it has a it has a strange, peculiar feel to it. If you've ever been to uh, uh, Hills and Hollows in uh, Peterborough, then you know what a quarry, an old quarry looks like. It's got holes in it and hills and it's like a marred landscape. And um, in that place, there is one particular hill that's been used to cut rocks out that uh, through the holes and everything almost looks like a skull. Uh, it's got very sinister feel to it. Uh, in Aramaic, it's called Golgotha and uh, in uh, Latin, it's called Calvary, maybe phrases that you've heard before. And there uh, at the cross, uh, Jesus is, uh, is nailed uh, there on the hill. He's laid down on the cross. His feet and his hands are uh, penetrated by nails, uh, excruciating pain. And then the uh, cross is uh, erected and there he hangs, uh, broken for the whole world to see. Uh, very likely naked, ashamed for everyone to see on one of the main high roads as people come in. And here is the Son of God hanging on a cross. And people can't get it. They don't understand it. They're, they're sneering. Uh, the rulers say, uh, he saved others. Why doesn't he save himself if he's the Messiah? And the soldiers uh, mock him. They say, well, if you are king of the Jews, why are you hanging on the cross there? Uh, even the criminal that's hanging next to him is hurling insults at him and saying, if you are the Messiah, save yourself. And by the way, save us. Um, he's in the same place. And, uh, and yet uh, he's mocking Jesus. And, uh, and this is where the baffling understanding of Jesus' suffering comes into play. Why did Jesus have suffer? Why did the Son of God have to die on a cross like this? Um, maybe Jesus as a martyr or Jesus as a good teacher is understandable to us. Um, the idea of him being a good person who was suffered unjustly is something that perhaps seems admirable. Um, but the idea that God would put the punishment uh, for us on his son, uh, that sounds offensive to us. That is something that we are struggling to get our head around. Um, the Old Testament was full of uh, verses about uh, a Messiah would come like a rescuer who was going to deliver his people, a mighty king. And everyone was expecting that he would come and uh, rid uh, the, the Romans from their country. Um, uh, yet uh, a Messiah that would suffer on a cross, that was totally unthinkable. Um, uh, even in our day, we, 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 we can't get our heads around why would Jesus need to die. We like the story uh, of Jesus and the way that he taught, but the story of Easter in some way is offensive. It, 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 we can't get our heads around. Now, uh, the story of Easter tells us that there was no other way that Jesus dying on the cross was the only way. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was praying, he said, Father, if there is any other way, heaven stayed quiet. There was no other way. Jesus dying for us was the only way. Why was it the only way? Well, the Old Testament talks about a Messiah that was to come and about a suffering servant. Uh, and no one uh, understood that these two were actually one and the same figure, that this was the Messiah figure that would come. Uh, it was where the whole of the Old Testament and the whole of history had led up to. Uh, we can read in uh, Psalm 22. If you've got a Bible, you can just flick there. Um, uh, David writes in Psalm 22, verse, uh, 16. It says, dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet and all my bones are on display. 
People stare and gloat over me. They divide my cloths uh, among them and cast lots for my garment. This is what we just read in this story. You couldn't make this up. This was foretold way long before uh, Jesus even died. And yet no one had seen that these verses were about Jesus. And we can read in Isaiah uh, 53. If you flick on a little bit further, uh, I'll read it for us if you struggle to keep up. Um, Isaiah 53 verse 9. It says, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Uh, you, you see that um, even him dying um, surrounded by criminals was foretold. Uh, him being buried in a rich man's grave, we'll come to that in a minute, was foretold. These things were laid in the foundation of creation and in the foundation of the world. This was what God was up to all the way from the start. Uh, now, to understand this, we need to understand that God is holy. He is perfect. He is without sin. And nothing that is sinful can exist in his presence. And this is where our problem comes into place. Um, when we come into God's presence, we wouldn't be able to exist. Um, because we are not perfect and because we've done things that are wrong, uh, we, we would instantly die in God's presence. We cannot be near God, him, uh, near God uh, at all. Um, and uh, this is our problem. When you see through the Old Testament, we can read that God made a way for people to draw near to him through sacrifices. And um, basically, when people turned away from God, they took the life that he had given them for themselves. And when you take a life, you owe a life. And uh, what we can see in the Old Testament is that people had to make sacrifices and that an animal would die. A life was given up to be able to draw close to God. Uh, and yet we can see throughout the whole of the Old Testament that um, people continued to turn away. The sacrifices did not change their hearts. They were still the same people who turned away from God. Uh, and what we can see is that Jesus becomes the ultimate sacrifice. He became uh, the, the, uh, the perfect animal. In the Old Testament, only perfect animals could be sacrificed. And Jesus would become the perfect sacrifice for us. Now, that's what happens in this story. At the moment where it says that um, the land grew dark um, and uh, 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 there, there was a real rumbling in, in, in nature, we can see that the wrath of God was turned on his son. God turned away from his son for the first time ever since the foundation of the earth. God moved away from his son. He turned away from his son. And this is what happens. That's why Jesus cried out. We can read in one of the other gospels, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And the worst thing about Jesus suffering wasn't just the fact that he hung on a cross. It was that the father had left him. He uh, endured the absence of the father in our place. Now, this is where we need to understand how the Trinity works. Uh, you see, when we think of uh, the father pouring his wrath out on the son, I mean, this sounds offensive to us. Uh, some have even called it uh, cosmic child abuse. Um, but, but it's a total misunderstanding of what's happening in this moment. You see, God is not just three different people. He's one. Um, he is the father, the son and the Holy Spirit. Yet he's one God. And in this moment, he chooses to take our place. God himself chooses to take our place. You see, God is not just a, a judge who judges us for what we have done. He is also our rescuer. Now, God is both loving and just, and that is our salvation. You see, if God was just loving, but not just, 
um, we would not want to live in that world. We would have a father who would see their children hurt each other and mess up and would do nothing about it. The, the world would stay a mess. We need God to be just. But if God was just just, he would be like a judge. He would be the one who would pour judgment on the things that we've done wrong only. And we would always fall short. He would be our judge. Now, the truth is that the father is not just loving. He is not just a judge. He is both. He is both the one who says we fall short and he's the one who says, I'm going to take your place. This is why the father brings us together. He is both the perfect just uh, 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 judge and he is the perfect father who gives himself and his own son up for us. That is the beauty of the gospel. That is his love for us through Easter. Um, in the uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible that I love to read to my children, uh, they they put it like this. Uh, this was the love of God at display. It says, um, telling the story of Easter, uh, the religious leaders say, uh, "You say you've come to rescue us." People shouted, "But you can't even rescue yourself." But they were wrong. Jesus could have rescued himself. You see, a legion of angels would have flown to his side if he had called. If you were really the son of God, you could just climb down on that cross, they said. And of course, they were right. Jesus could have just climbed down. Actually, he could have just said a word and made it all stop. Just like when he healed that little girl and stilled the storm and fed 5,000 people. But Jesus stayed. He stayed. You see, they didn't understand. It wasn't the nails that kept Jesus there. It was love. Jesus did not hang on the cross because he couldn't come off. Jesus hang on the cross because he loved you and me so much that he gave everything he had to make a way to the Father for us. And that's what we can see happening right at that moment. We can see that in the, in the temple, there was a thick curtain that uh, divided the holiest of holiest from uh, the people so they could not draw near. At that moment in time, the curtain's torn in two. It's ripped open from top to bottom and God makes a way for his people to come near now the holiest of god that would normally uh, we would not be able to see with our own eyes is revealed why because jesus has paid the price he's paid the price for you and me to draw near to god and now we have an open heaven we can see through this story that people uh, near Jesus are starting to see it. We can see that the criminal who was hanging on the other side starts to understand who Jesus is. And he tells the other guy to, to shut up and says to Jesus, uh, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus promised him that he will be with him in paradise then. Um, we can see the centurion who's uh, executing the punishment, uh, saying this was a righteous man. Uh, we can see the people that are going away, beating their breasts to understand that something awful's happened uh, and then we can see joseph a quiet member uh, of the uh, religious established uh, powers at that time who'd uh, been there all along when jesus had been sentenced and stayed quiet uh, suddenly starts to come into action uh, when jesus when he sees jesus dying he goes and risks it all and he goes to Pilate and says can i take the body normally the bodies would be left hanging um as a an example eaten by wild dogs and birds um, but joseph wants to bury him and uh, he lays him in his own tomb uh, a very rich tomb that was uh, hacked out of the uh, uh, the rock face uh, and uh, again we read in isaiah 53 that uh, he would be with the, with the rich in his death. This was foretold, uh, even when Jesus died at that moment, foretold. Now, I wonder where you feel your fit in that story. I wonder 
where you would identify yourself with. Uh, perhaps you would identify yourself with a crowd who's standing on the side, watching all of this, trying to make sense of it. And maybe from a distance, you've tried to see what God is doing, but you don't fully understand. Uh, perhaps you're like one of the criminals. You're hanging uh, uh, on that cross and you realize that you've messed up. No one needs to tell you that you fall short. You know that you fall short. Uh, perhaps you're like Joseph. You're, uh, you've tried to do the right thing. You've tried to follow the, the, the laws and righteous living, and yet you still feel that you're missing something. Well, let me encourage you today. The cross is your hope. And it is your only hope. That's why Jesus says um, that he is the only way to the Father. You see, all of religion will tell us um, that we should do better, that we can get better, that, that we can tip the scales between where we have fallen short and what we do right. And yet the gospel tells us that we will never be able to live up to a holy life. And yet Jesus did it for us. And therefore we can draw close to God. We don't have to try hard to get close to God. We don't have to be perfect. We can be invited and draw close to God because of a gift, because of grace. And that's what Easter is all about, the gift of grace. And that's why we can have confidence. If we had confidence in our own ability to do things, we'd be going up and down all the time. We'd messed up and we feel rubbish about ourselves. We do great and we feel really, really good. And yet the gospel tells us that neither of these things change anything about God's love for us and that he is always available and that we can always draw near to the Father. What a miracle. Why don't you wave at me if you are freshly amazed by the power of the gospel and the love of God in our hearts? Why don't we pray together as we celebrate that amazing truth? Jesus, we thank you for your amazing gift on the cross. Thank you that you gave yourself for us, that you hang naked, that you took the punishment that we deserved, uh, the abandonment from God that is our natural reality and yet you invited us to the father that you draw us close that you love us and that you have torn the curtain from top to bottom to say welcome welcome anyone a free gift of grace in jesus name let me encourage you if you have not invited jesus into your life before and said uh Ah, Jesus, you can have my old life. I want your life as a gift for me. Then I want to encourage you. Uh, don't let today go past uh, without doing that. You can do that where you are, uh, just in your own home and say, Jesus, I want to take you as my savior because I have tried long enough, but I need you. And uh, he says that he is enough. He is enough to cover anything that we may fall in short. And I want to encourage you, if you've lost sight of that in this season, Jesus is powerful. He's the way to our Father. If you feel far away from God in your living room, if you feel like you're struggling with life at home, then draw near to him. He is available and he's ready to meet you. He loves you and he wants you to be his child and to draw near. Hey, be blessed and let's remember that amazing truth.